passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Whether you like it or not, we're a lot alike. You've got a black hole in your heart. I know it. But there's an animal in there. That animal is begging to get out. That animal. That animal is eating you alive. You want it to come out. I want to see it. I want to see that animal. Oh, yeah. I want to see it, AJ. I'm going to see it. And I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. We're back. It's John Pollock and Waiting. We hope all of you listeners had a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful holiday season, uh, whatever you were celebrating. If you're not celebrating at all, I hope everyone had a tremendous Tuesday night. Including you, waiting. How are you? I'm good, very well. It's nice to talk on this uh, Wednesday, Wednesday evening. I've missed you. Well, thanks. Yes, me too. This is a long gap since I've talked to you. Uh, when was the last time you and I? I mean, people have heard shows from ours, but our like peeling the curtain back. You and I have not uh, spoken like this since last Thursday. Is that right? Okay. I think. Saturday. Saturday. What was on Saturday? Oh, uh, we recorded Warstone. That was only on Saturday. That's right. Yeah. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that I could listen to the Worst Up show now? I don't yeah. see it on, on the front page right now. Is there a way I could go about listening to the Worst Up show already? Yes. Yeah, so, well, it's nice that you asked, John, because if you're a double-double ice cap or a special patron... Uh, I am. You, you typically have access to all of our videos, and therefore... We have decided to put the worst of up live. Uh, sorry, not live, but early. Not live, taped, early. It is live as in it is there. It is yeah. presented to you. It could be live. Yeah, we're not, you know. we're not doing a cafe hangout again this week. So uh, in lieu of that, we decided to put this up there live for you all. And everyone, that video quality, it is pristine. Well, it's a lot better without going live. That's for sure. Yes. Maybe we learned something from the WWE this week. When you tape... Sometimes it's better. Yeah, yeah, I, I concur with that. Live is overrated. Well, I mean, interactivity is nice, but um, eh. it's nice to, yeah, sure. All right, I have a few questions. I've now got my plans after this show. I can now go and watch the Worst Of show on our Patreon. I have been browsing the post-wrestling store, and I'm on a bit of a budget. Do you have any advice for me over... The next couple of days. Funny that you asked that again, John. I don't know how you come up with these great, great questions, but uh, wait, I am I am a renowned 
interviewer. I am supposed to ask the questions. Yeah, that well, penetrate the issue. Well, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you did ask because, uh, as many people are aware, at least in Canada, I don't think this is even a thing in the U.S. But at least in Canada, and I know many places around the world, there is a phenomenon known as Boxing Day. Boxing Day is where, the day after Christmas, you get rid of boxes. And we oh. have boxes and so, boxes. So I've been going, I've been going down Young Street with gloves on all these years, and everyone looks at me weird. Now I understand. <laughs> Maybe it's taken on a different meaning since then as well. But essentially, it is another sale. It is another Black Friday-like sale for those of you who are unaware. But Boxing Day, one of my favorite days of the year. Did you buy anything, John? No, I haven't gone shopping on Boxing Day in years. It used to be a tradition among my friends that we would always get together for breakfast on Boxing Day, and then we'd go to a mall. And it just became the joke that every year we would go to a mall, we'd go through all the, the hellacious traffic and parking, and we never bought anything, ever. And it just became this joke. Why, why do we do this every Boxing Day? Like, we know we're not buying anything. At most, we would buy a coffee at the mall. And we we do all the bad like all the crap that's associated with Boxing Day and not reap any of the rewards of Boxing Day. And uh, we have since grown apart from our Boxing Day tradition. No, it's rather silly, especially going in person, but at the post. There aren't, there aren't a lot of deals. So I'm hoping that you maybe can let us in on one. Sure, why not? Store.postwrestling.com. Buy one, get one 50% off of equal or lesser value. That includes everything in this store, from t-shirts to toques, including... As well, this deal applies to our post-wrestling combo packs, which include t-shirts, stickers, and postcards. Uh, not only is that qualified, too, for the buy one, get one 50% off thing, but uh, even if you're just going to buy that on its own, 30% off that whole thing. So uh, typically, they're $29.99. We're selling them for $20.99 USD. So get that. And as well, if you're a patron... Uh, you can still get 20% off of that. So if you're a patron, not only do you save 30%, but you add 20% of that, and then you get some Scott Steiner promo in the middle, uh, which equals to about 44-something percent off. So enjoy all that. Store.postwrestling.com. The sales go until Monday night. By the way, I have an idea for next year for our Christmas sale. Okay? Sure. Everyone is aware. Well, the archivist made me and Way aware of our crutch words years ago i had quite the propensity for right now although way has now just totally taken that one from me but way i never noticed this he would always use the word too too much not too much too too much yeah i've since stopped that well i think you should bring it back in 2019 because we could market two two toques oh i love it great maybe too too sweet is not uh, copyright copyright yeah took sweet was a very good one that you came up with well thanks how was your christmas how was your week how are it, you doing yeah it was good nice and relaxing you know not probably not as big of a deal at my household as it is yours so i'm more curious to hear about how christmas was at the pollock home did you go home or did you stay downtown for christmas festivities i did go home but i mean i wouldn't say there were too many festivities it was just kind of my dad and my brother we were just hanging out my mom's in hong kong right now so oh the, the three of us like i just like watched raw and uh i read some comic books tell us about uh 
wrong saga I'm about no to. The, the comic book you read what was it saga sag sage yeah saga yeah it's it's <laughs> the only comic book that i keep up with and it it is tremendous then unfortunately um the last issue that i read was a very gut-wrenching one where i won't even spoil it but uh uh they're going on hiatus for like a whole year after this which is uh somewhat un- unprecedented i would say in comic books at least you know obviously movies we go through like years without kind of having sequels but this is a, a weekly or i would say monthly episodic thing and um i i find it i mean i'm i'm sad that it's not gonna i'm not gonna have this i've been following this book for like six years and now all of a sudden i'm gonna go at least a whole year without it which i actually don't mind so much because in the end they're doing this because um they want to maintain the teams then they, they want to maintain the quality and they 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 want the creators want to essentially not burn themselves out, which I completely respect. Could you imagine next week's episode of Raw starting with that announcement by Vince McMahon? We're going on a hiatus. We'll be back at some point. For a year, absolutely. Enjoy those bucks, or whatever the hell they're called. No, it's quite, it's quite impossible, I think, when, you know, obviously when you have a whole system in place. But I guess with comic books, one of the benefits uh, that, that, that allows you to do something like that is that tip, teams are typically like three people. Two people, maybe sometimes even one person. So if all those people want to take a year long break and then reconvene at a later time, you're not really in danger of losing any key people. All right. Well, keep us updated on that. That sounds like quite the quite the interesting step that this book is taking. I think that they might lose some people. I doubt. They may never. They I may never come back. I highly doubt it. But how about you? Tell me about your Christmas. Oh, my Christmas. It was very chaotic because we were all over the place. Uh, We went to my parents' place for a few days. So I was there on, uh, during the day of Christmas Eve, we went out that evening to my wife's one side of her family. And then Christmas morning, uh, I was expecting Max to be up super early. He doesn't get the concept of Christmas yet. He's 18 months old. So, um, he comes downstairs, he gets up around seven in the morning on Christmas. We all go down and he's got all these gifts out and he looks at all of them and then he turns around to the old toys that my mom had out for him and he goes right back to the old toys. He had no interest in any of the new toys that have come his way. Are they pre-opened for him or are they in boxes? There was a combination. We had a few out for him. He got this uh, this miniature sleigh that's... Pretty much, you can just carry him or pull him around in in the snow. That was his unwrapped gift that was there. And then he had others others that were uh, wrapped. And he, at least by the end of it, he was given a lot of gifts because we saw many, many family members and just everyone gets him all these gifts. So we have so much stuff now. But he can open them. He just didn't display a ton of interest in, in much of his gifts. So maybe in time, this will... Uh, I told him that eventually you'll be very excited about this holiday, but this does not seem to be the year that that is all going to uh, come to fruition for you. What What are his favorite items at the moment? You know, he's not into normal toys. His favorite things are coming up to my desk and grabbing my mouse and any electronic things, any remote that he can get his hands on. He just loves. And his favorite toy I kid you not, at the moment, is our vacuum. That he will take the cord, he can pretty much plug it in on his own now, and he will just 
vacuum for as lo- he loves the sound of it. He will hold it up and just vacuum. And he uses this broom. We bought him a broom now to, that he can have his own broom. Like a kid's broom? Like a baby yes. broom? Yes. Because he tried to use the main one and it, it's just wow. too large for him to try to be the, using. The cleaner. Yeah, apparently. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. That's great. Put <laughs> Those are to- the main toys at, at 18 months away. Put them to work. Perhaps, yes. So on Christmas Day, we went to my, we were at my parents for the the day, and then we went out to my wife's other side of her family, and then I came back that night with Max, and it was my my first night taking care of him by myself, uh, where my wife was going to be going back home because she was going out on Boxing Day. She had plans, and it and it actually turned out okay. I was I was frightened. Not so much uh, from a safety perspective, but from a sleep perspective that he has not slept through the night in probably six weeks, and he slept through the entire night last night. It was a miracle. It was a Christmas miracle. So I was in very good spirits this morning. Well, that's great, man. Awesome. Yes. That is the update. That was Christmas. Cool. Cool. Do you have New Year's plans, Way? Um, I might just stay in, actually. I might take a cue from you. Chinese food can't go wrong. It's great. Yeah, maybe I'll do. Sure, maybe I'll do that. We have some news to catch up on. Can I entertain you with some of these topics? Yes, please. Have you been following the John Jones UFC 232 saga? Did you buy tickets to go to Las Vegas? Are you planning to get on an airplane? Because staying home on New Year's might be every UFC ticket purchaser's new New Year's tradition after this year. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been following this whole thing. All right. To give everyone the Coles Notes version of a very complex story, it comes out on Sunday, out of nowhere. UFC 232 is moving from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas to the Forum in Inglewood, California, because the Nevada State Athletic Commission has learned of an abnormal reading that John Jones had on one of his USADA drug tests. He has been tested numerous times over the last couple of months. Everything has come back fine. He has had no issues, no red flags. And then this last test he had is being stated that it was this advanced test that was able to detect a metabolite that is the same metabolite that he ended up failing his drug test for in July of 2017, which was administered the same day he fought Daniel Cormier and led to his win being overturned and having to hand back the light heavyweight title to Daniel Cormier. So that's what we're talking about here. The same metabolite is found. They have, and they being uh, USADA and the, well, the UFC have been the ones speaking uh, publicly about this the most with Dana White and Jeff Nowitzki of the UFC kind of being at front and center of all of this stating that what was found in this drug test, we do not believe, we have no evidence that it is a new ingestion of this uh, this drug. It would be impossible for him to get such a low amount. We have determined, we have been able to determine that it was from the original intake that Jones had in 2017, and it's a trace amount that has been there all this time. These other tests did not pick it up. This latest test did. And obviously the test in 2017 detected this. And the Mm. levels are, just stop me if it's getting too in the weeds, uh, confusing. 
The 2017 test, the one that he had, the, he got suspended for 15 months. He was fined $205,000, got a win overturned. They determined that he had between 20 and 80 picograms per milliliter of this metabolite in his system. It's a very, very tiny amount, but it was enough that all the things I just listed were thrown at John Jones. This time, he's got 60 picograms of this metabolite in his system, which is it, right in that range. It's even you know well above the, the low end of that range I just gave. So I have many questions about this. I'm very confused that this was an infraction in 2017 so severe that required a 15-month suspension. Now, let's, let's just go with the assumption that he has not taken anything. And I don't know it, how they can necessarily determine that or not. Regardless, let's say he has not taken anything. He has a trace amount left in his system. The, the commissions, like this seems something very new to me, that we can find this in your system and, and we're going to allow you to fight with this. I find that very odd to me that we have had, look at the suspensions we have had in the past about trace amounts of marijuana. They've stated that there are no performance enhancing uh, qualities inside of this metabolite that they have. Well, then what was the problem to begin with in 2017? Just because a banned substance is found in your system doesn't mean it always has performance enhancing qualities to it. When Brock Lesnar failed his UFC 200 test. He failed a test on June 28th. They didn't get the results until after the Mark Hunt fight, but he took a drug test the same fight night and it was still in his system. So he had two failures. Doesn't mean he took clomiphene, which is not a steroid, but you can make the conclusion, why is a grown man taking, a, taking clomiphene? It, it is a reasonable assumption to state that it is, uh, that it is connected to steroid cycle and that is a reason why it's a banned substance anyway I'm, I'm getting off track here lots to discuss revolving all of this but to me if if there is still amounts left in his system like this was enough of a problem in 2017 did they just look at it and say oh it's such a small amount there's no performance enhancing qualities they did not say that in 2017 they stated that regardless of how tiny this is that we are going to throw the book at you. And I'm just, it's just, I cannot, I have a hard time imagining this being any other fighter on this card but John Jones, that this would be such a, like they're just doing this dance, it feels like, in order to allow this man to fight. And if it's in your system, then that's a problem to me. And at the end of the day, you are responsible for what goes into your body. And there are enough suspensions of guys who had legitimate excuses, whether it be legitimate tainted supplements that still got suspended because this ended up in your system. And John Jones to this day, he has no idea how this originally got into his system, but it got there somehow. It wasn't Alexander Gustafson at home with a, a, a John Jones action figure uh, putting pins into his stomach and hopefully metabolites would show up it got in there somehow wait yeah. do you have any uh thoughts here on this entire story i just have a lot of questions i'm not trying to draw conclusions i think this is a very complex complex story and i'm not a scientist but just asking common sense questions i'm left with not a lot of answers i think it's 
very difficult to, difficult to try to you know think about sense when it comes to promoters and um i don't know main events being in danger um but when you saw it as in the middle of this that's where i feel they should be asking these questions and coming at it not from a promotional angle i expect this from the ufc but usada is a separate entity that the ufc is is utilizing for their drug testing and it 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 just seems to me that if if you still have this in your system that's an issue and you're ignoring it and one other thing is that like now it seems that they're just stating that well this this latest test, it's just the, the testing is getting so much more advanced to confine this. They're stating that it is a some kind of an issue that they have been able to determine that it is the original ingestion of this uh, of this metabolite. But this same, they did detect this tiny amount in 2017 as well. Did we have a super strong test in 2017, and then we had weaker tests up until this last one on December 9th? I I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know either. So the commission that um, tested him the first time back in 2017, was that California? That was California, who are the ones that are allowing him to fight. This they time. are allowing him to fight here. And Nevada is not, not because they have publicly stated that they have any issue with this. It was an, a problem of getting all the commissioners together on, on Christmas week to allow him to fight. And California stated, well, we don't have to do all this background we have just finished our adjudication process on John Jones. We know his story. We know his case. We are comfortable allowing him to fight uh, with the provision that he had to sign up for, for VADA testing on top of this. He has to do that for a minimum of three months, and they're allowing the fight to go. And like in all of this, like there's many scientific questions that to me are unanswered. But to me, the worst part about all this is that all these ticket buyers are out on Saturday. They may get refunds for their tickets, but if you're someone flying there, you're out your hotel cost, your air flight, and God knows if you're going to want to get into traffic and go to L.A. Uh, to, to now see this show. I would be furious if I was a fan. And I just, like to me, you go ahead with this card with Cyborg and Amanda Nunez, and you're going to take a hit. But to me, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson, it's not, it's not doing a million buys. We're talking about a good pay-per-view and maybe we're going to get a, a reduced uh, amount of business that we're going to do on Saturday. But I, I was just perplexed that this was the conclusion they made. Let's uproot everything and go to another state. It's crazy. It really is crazy. And I, I felt really outraged at the, at the UFC for, for going ahead with all this. Um, I, it's just incredibly unprecedented. And uh, I guess what, what, what in your opinion would have been the alternatives? I think the easiest solution, if you see the latest embedded, it's where they sit down. Dana White is with Hunter Campbell, who is their main legal person, and Jeff Nowitzki of uh, the UFC. They're sitting down with Gustafson and his team, and they're sta- they just lay out all the facts, and they're saying, John Jones did nothing wrong. It's, it's just, uh, he in- this is from the original uh, test failure, and he's, he's been sanctioned for this. And they state... This is not on us. We're not trying to save a card here. We'll move you guys to March. It's up to you. But Gustafson just said, hey, I want to fight. And he said, okay. Gustafson didn't have any reservations about this. But, I mean, it's got to be a pain in the ass for him. He's doing a weight cut this week. Now he's got 
to uproot his team. They got to get down to California. It's inconvenient, but not enough that I think he would turn this down. Mm-hmm. But the option appeared to be there. Like the UFC seemed to feel that we'll move this to March. I think that would have been the responsible thing to do uh, because I- I'm just left with way too many questions about all of this that the UFC is making this seem so black and white that, oh, there's there's nothing wrong here. Well, this exact same thing happened in 2017, and it was classified as a drug test failure. Today, we're now getting this reading, and we're calling it an abnormal reading. But if if I were to smoke pot right now, and two weeks later, I'm in a fight, and I mean, granted, they have adjusted levels and stuff, but at a time period, if you had marijuana in your system, even smoking two or three weeks out, metabolites of marijuana you you would be facing a fine or a suspension and they've since put levels higher because they knew how ridiculous it was getting but for a time period that was that's in your system whether it's active or not that's you put that in your system and we're not even talking about a performance enhancing agent in marijuana so the fact that we have something that is a metabolite of oral torinibol um you know Which regardless is- of which is a steroid? Which is a steroid. Um, it's a metabolite uh, of that. Like, that's what we're talking about. If this is the, the, even if he took this in 2017, you're talking about a metabolite of oral torinobol. Like, the, the idea that that's just, oh, it's, it's no problem. Like, look at the guys that have had the book thrown at them and lost years off their career. Uh, Frank Mir was he put out this statement because he was found with the, this exact same uh, metabolite in his system, and he had no explanation for how it got there. And he's meeting with USADA, and he said, "Can we go back beyond the last month or two? And they said, "No, there would be no point to that because this is the window. This will last in your system." And now we fast forward to this story. Now this can stay in your system for. It's been 17 months since John Jones got popped. And, you know, they're arguing, well, the science has evolved and it's changing. Well, Frank Mir lost two years of his life because the science wasn't apparently up to date enough at that point. And and now you're saying that, well, it could be in your system a lot longer. It's just there's there's just so many questions to this that I think the UFC and USADA come off very, very poorly in all of this and reg- even if the science backs them up, that they are stating all of this science backs them up, there's a great level of inconsistency now in past rulings. And the next time you have a fighter that has trace amounts of a substance in his system, good luck when you're trying to throw the book at him and and you have this precedent that you have now created that that we're suddenly going to make, if something is not a performance-enhancing substance and there's a low amount of it, we suddenly are not going to punish you. Mm-hmm. Do you see this um, like changing at all in the future? Um, in, in what sense? If, if anybody tests this way, do you think that they will give them the same leeway as they have given John Jones? I would, I, I think that this has opened up a, a can of worms for them in the future that it's, it's going to be, very very difficult that if any fighter that has been popped for oral torinobol in their history and they ever get caught again with any level in their system of oral torinobol you've pretty much handcuffed yourselves in terms of punishment 
Like, let's say I, I pop for oral turnable today, and two years from now, it's out of my system. But I'm, I'm off-season. I don't have a fight coming up. I'm going to get on a cycle of this at the moment. It's up until this past week, we believed it had a very short amount of, uh, of a detection period, like six weeks we're talking about. It should be out of your system. Apparently, that has changed. But I popped for this two years ago. I'm now going to get on a cycle of this. And uh, three weeks later... USADA shows up at my door. I piss hot and they find X amount of uh, picograms of oral turinabol. I have got my out. I said, hey, I tested positive for this two years ago. It's obviously still in my system, even though I'm knowingly, I just took this two, three weeks ago to get on another cycle of it, hoping it would be out of my system in time. It wasn't. What, what can you do to me? Mm-hmm. So I think that this has created, um, listen, the, the, the science of monitoring people's bodies and their body chemistry is an extremely complicated endeavor to, to take on that the UFC and USADA have done. But like, there's been collateral damage over this USADA deal of fighters that have had careers significantly altered, lives altered, uh, where they have suffered big, big punishments. Um, Yoel Romero who uh, people can make all the jokes they want about Yoel Romero. He has one failed drug test and he legitimately proved he took a tainted supplement and they still suspended him for eight months because even though you took a supplement that was, it did not, it was not properly labeled with the substance that you tested positive for. They still threw eight months at him because it still got into your system. And like with John Jones, it's just, I'm not stating that he did anything uh, leading up to this test. Maybe for all we know, it's true. It's, it's, it's from the original uh, substance that he took in 2017, which he does not know that he took. But I'm just having a hard time believing that all of a sudden we have the science that we know it was from this 2017 uh, ingestion. And yet we still don't know. John Jones does not know how this got into his system. Well, if the test can detect when it was put into a system, can we narrow it down to the week he took it, to the day he took it? Like, shouldn't that information now, shouldn't it be a clearer picture of when he took this in, if we're able to narrow it down to when this entered his body? Anyway, I've given this lots of thought. It's just a a very, very bizarre story. But John Jones is fighting on Saturday. And there's probably been, there's probably no more pressure on any fighter to not get hurt, to not miss weight, or anything to screw up uh, than on John Jones and going into this fight on Saturday. Could you imagine if there was some issue between now and Saturday for this fight that they have moved states to accommodate? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other quick thing. I know we went very long on that one. Impact Wrestling, we didn't get to chat about this on any of our shows yet, but they have announced that they are going to the Pursuit Channel as their new television home in the United States it's a big drop off from Pop TV, where they are going from. As of September, the the figures were Pop TV was in sixty seven point five million homes. Pursuit Channel is in about thirty million homes. They will be airing Friday nights at ten p.m. Eastern, beginning on Friday, January the eleventh. So, tomorrow night's show is their best of show. Their second week doing a best of show. Then they'll do the go home show next week, which is their last night on Pop, going into Homecoming. And then the first Friday after homecoming is their debut 
on the Pursuit channel. This is also going to affect their time slot in Canada. They're going to air on the Fight Network Friday nights at 10, and then they'll replay on Game TV from 7 till 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays. Um, I don't think this is a, a good move, obviously. And it, to me, way it just seems like it was their only option uh, of what they had here. The Pursuit Channel is something that Anthem Media does have a stake in, so there's a relationship there. And that's probably that was able that this was their last resort when they didn't have a, a bigger platform to move their television to. Yeah, without really kind of knowing, you know, what the internal decision making was, it it reads to me like this was a backup plan in the event that they didn't get a better deal. Um, and, you know, uh, I guess they're maybe like, what's, what's this I hear, though, that it doesn't preclude them from finding deals elsewhere, though? It's not an exclusive deal. So that means they can still shop Impact around. So it doesn't appear to be something that they are locked into. Like Impact is, this is it. Um, so if they can strike a deal, uh, great. But the fact that they couldn't, um, I, I think that's a bad sign. Like we know that they had talked to, to other networks. They, th- there were conversations, but it doesn't seem that there was, there was interest there. Um, I, I think we, when you look at, at television and how wrestling treats television, if you think of it, like it is a storefront property on Times Square. That would be the WWE on the USA Network. It, they have prime real estate in the busiest shopping center in the world because your goal is to put your business in front of the most people that are going to come into your store and and pay. They are going to pay for tickets. They are going to go to live events. They're going to buy merchandise. They're going to become consumers of your product. And somewhere along the way, the WWE stopped having to pay rent on Times Square. Times Square pays them a lot of money to be on Times Square. So that's great. And if you are a secondary television outlet, like an Impact, if you're going to go off Times Square and go to go to the suburb somewhere, you better be getting paid a lot of money because you're going to be in front of so many fewer people that can become potential customers. So they are going to a place that has way less people and I would venture to guess that they are not getting a huge amount of money. Because if there was a huge money deal from the, the Pursuit Channel, they would have been there a long time ago. Yeah. So you, that, that is what television is utilized for. It is great that you can get all these viewers, but you have to be able to convert them into, into dollars, into business. That is, that is the goal of what television is for. You, and now you're in a climate where the television will pay you so much that it offsets how much business you have to create out of these viewers. But you've, that's a sacrifice you've got to be willing to make. And it seems that now you are on, uh, you're just going to be in front of less people. That's the, the end of this story. You are going to have less viewership, significantly less viewership. And I, I wonder how much attention impact is going to get being on the pursuit channel. No, likewise. I think in a time where we're hearing about all these different companies finding these really killer deals that are bringing them tons and tons of cash flow, um, I feel like Impact at least had a good chance of kind of being among the bunch, but at least for now, it doesn't look like that's happening. And also at a time when if you are a network out there and you have a inkling to add wrestling to your lineup, what an awful time for Impact to be searching for a home when you've got the hot thing in all elite wrestling, that if you have a television executive that is up on wrestling, they know what's coming in January and 
And are you going to dedicate all your resources to impact that, you know, you, you know what you're getting in impact. You don't know what you're getting in the potential of all elite wrestling. But if you're, if you're putting your chips onto one product, I think people know what they're choosing. Mm-hmm. So that is the latest uh, on, on impact. Let us move into raw and SmackDown. Did you watch anything on Christmas Eve? Did you watch it? Did you watch all of Raw, or did you save it for later? Uh, I didn't watch it on Christmas Eve. I watched it on Christmas Day. Well, we're not going to go like a typical review here. We're going to go through both shows. Just go through uh, some highlights. Raw started. This was uh, the the second half of last week's tapings in Sacramento, California. I noticed it more on SmackDown than Raw, but. SmackDown seemed like they did a lot of sweetening of the the audience. I didn't particularly notice myself, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they did or didn't. Raw kicked off with the Miracle on 34th Street fight with Elias and Bobby Lashley. Uh, with Elias getting the win, we pretty much had babyface wins on both nights. And, you know, they came up with, you know, a bunch of comedic spots involving uh, bowling balls. We had fire extinguishers and Lego way. I know. Lego. Okay. Not Legos. Lego. Lego Put blocks. Oh. oh, I'm just saying that's what people t- tend to call the plural of Lego. Oh, okay. Lego blocks. Whatever. Have My- you ever taken a bump on Lego? No, I don't think so. Um, But, it was a spot that was the most remembered in the entire match. I thought the match was fun. This audience loved it. My brother, who never watches wrestling, enjoyed the shit out of this one. I think it's the type of match that was perfect for watching with a family member on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it was fun. Um, afterwards, the eggnog was poured onto Leo Rush, and Elias gets the win. Uh, Bobby Lashley took the Lego bump. We had a bunch of... Uh, the lower end guys giving their Christmas wishes, including Heath Slater, who wants uh, Rhino to get his job back. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable defeated the Revival to keep the Raw tag titles. I think I found a new trick way. This match, uh, I I ended up I was listening to something, so I turned the commentary down. I feel this match was even better with the commentary down. I thought this was a very good television match, like Roode. Uh, Rude was uh, doing the the Hiroshi Hase style Uranagi, and then when the revival came in, some of their double team stuff like that bridging German after the uppercut, and then Wilder used a jackknife cover. Uh, they just had some great transitions in this match. I, I enjoyed this a lot. I thought the match was solid, but I just have no interest in any of the characters or this title. That um, despite the good technical match, it wasn't really enough to keep. Oh, I like this a lot. Turn the commentary down for future. I think that it will pull up your interest level in a match significantly. I don't, for me, it wasn't, it's just more so like seeing these characters that I have zero investment in. Uh, The Lucha House Party wants a pinata for Christmas. Kurt Hawkins wants a win. No way, Jose. He was, he was asking Santa what he wants, which was very um, unselfish of him. Uh, Jose wanted hot chocolate and to take the conga line to the North Pole. Then we had uh, Drew McIntyre coming out, cut an angry promo, and took on Finn Balor, Dolph Ziggler. Finn Balor getting the win once again, coup de gras as he pinned Dolph Ziggler. Um, 
How do you feel that Finn Balor is coming across these last couple of weeks? And do you see this lasting? Um, I think he's he's been coming across fine. I thought technically this match was fine. Do I see it lasting? Um, like, do you think that they have a sustained push in mind for Finn Balor? Or is this just, we're going through the holidays, we're putting baby faces over, and we'll give Finn a couple of wins here and there. But ultimately, he's going to be in that mid-card role that he's been in all year. I, I would I mean I wouldn't really say that he's really been elevated all that much. You know, he's been getting a few strong wins, but I think I still largely see him as mid Carter and I don't necessarily see him falling, you know, farther than this. Um but for him to really advance he's going to have some have to get some really strong wins against some really key guys in prominent positions on this show. He's obviously someone that the the audience has not given up on yet, and I just worry that staying in that place at a time they will. And I, I, I just I see a lot in Finn Balor that he is a, a very, very marketable babyface and the audience is behind him. And I wouldn't want to just relegate him to that same role because in time they'll they'll see where he's slotted and, and give up on him. So I do hope that Finn Balor is at least maybe not protected as a top guy, but kind of the next level underneath. Afterwards, Drew just attacked Ziggler and then got hit with the zigzag. So they're building up to a match for next week inside of a steel cage. We had these vignettes all night long with the B team. I didn't really understand the purpose of them. I think I missed something at the beginning because I just didn't get the joke at all. They ended up, what, drunk at the end and passing out? I didn't so much get it either. That's fine. What we did get was Vince McMahon dressed as Santa. I was told of these vignettes last week that uh, the person told me if these air, they were quite something. So this was quite something. This was Vince McMahon uh, breaking kayfabe that he was not in the North Pole. He was in a studio. I was waiting for him to call up a seven-year-old and ask if they still believe in Santa. Did you hear about that story? No. President Donald Trump called a seven-year-old child on on Christmas Eve and asked uh, if he still believes in Santa because, you know, at seven years old, it's all kind of relative. Thanks, President. Seven years old. Okay. Grinch just ruined Christmas for him. Yeah, wow. Anyway, Vince here seemed like he had had quite a bit of eggnog that might have been spiked. He announced the return of John Cena the introduction of the women's tag titles in 2019 and a steel cage match next week for Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for the music video for the women's tag titles. And we've got this clip to play over and over. Just like when Stephanie announced the evolution pay-per-view. I guess I'm surprised they didn't do it in a segment with Stephanie nor uh, in a segment in one of those open forums or something like that. I thought it was oh. just kind of thrown out here uh, unceremoniously. This was kind of the only news coming out of Raw were, were these announcements. And John Cena is going to be on next week's SmackDown, which is being taped Saturday in Pittsburgh. And he's also got two dates that are Raw tapings on January 7th and 14th. So presumably he'll be on Raw for those nights. So he is doing TV, even though initially he said all his appearances would be non-televised. But they need him. So he's going to be on next week. I don't know for what, but he'll be on next week. Vince McMahon had... Quite the outing on both nights, I thought, of Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. This guy is, uh, he was just trying to sneak in for worst non-wrestling performer of 2018, but might have just escaped. 
Mickey James, Alicia Fox, and Dana Brooke lost to Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ember Moon after a backstabber to Mickey and a Bailey to Belly. Again, baby faces go over. Fine six person. There wasn't too much that kind of stuck with me afterwards. Um, me neither. No, it's just a match. Then Paul Heyman came out and sang Silent Night, where he changed the lyrics around to revolve around Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman, announcing Brock Lesnar is your Christmas Grinch. I thought this was actually quite impressive, this the singing ability of Paul Heyman. I think you should have entered the jingle contest, which reminds me, oh, we yes. will give out the, we will announce the winner of the Christmas jingle contest shortly. At the end of the show, yes. Um, then he got into a serious promo. Somehow he was able to get Braun's personnel file. And in his personnel file, it revealed that he had a, he got a replica championship belt for Christmas one year, but now he wants the real thing. Braun came out, put antlers and a red nose onto Paul Heyman and called him the red nosed advocate and said he will be all healed by the rumble where Lesnar will get these hands. And then he wished Paul Heyman a Merry Christmas, which I don't know. Is he aware Paul Heyman does not celebrate Christmas? Maybe that's just a further insult him. I thought I took this as a as an insulting line by Braun Strowman. Yes. Quite the build up for the Royal Rumble. No, this is nothing. I thought Heyman singing though, I was I was impressed with. Yeah. The man is um fearless when it comes to his promos. Mm-hmm. Going out there in front of a dead crowd, and you're gonna sing Silent Night. Ronda Rousey, Natalia for the Raw Women's Championship. They did a babyface, babyface match. Uh, but the, the story was Natalia constantly getting frustrated, pushing Ronda Rousey to the limit. My favorite part of this match way was Natalia, who was in control. And she looked at the fans and she yelled, you like Ronda? I like her too. And then she continued her attack on Ronda. It's like, what a, what a great moment here. Even in the heat of battle, Natalia, just the nicest person, has to acknowledge she is a pretty great person. Um, I thought Natalia was great in this match. In fact, I think that, you know, they always want to present Raw as being live, and you had to, given this was the Christmas Eve edition. But I thought that there's a there was a great story here to tell that here's Natalia who's not at 100% because she just went through that whole gauntlet match, and now she has no time to prepare for Ronda Rousey. And that would leave things open for a rematch down the road. But, you know, for obvious reasons, they couldn't explain that story. Um, Ronda, eventually, after teasing the armbar, it was avoided by Natalia on the first try, but then uh, was able to get it on the second. And the second that Rousey applied this armbar, she let go of it with Natalia tapping. She did not want to hurt her friend. I enjoyed this match. I thought this was very well done by both women. I thought it was a great match. Ronda, I thought, displayed some excellent, excellent technical grappling. I think very Zack Sabre Jr.-like offensively here. Um, that would be a great intergender match I would love to see someday. Zack Sabre Zach Jr. and Ronda? Yeah. That would be awesome. Um, and Zach, Zach cutting a promo on Ronda. I'd love to see that too. But uh, I thought they were very ambitious as well with the storytelling, you know, very much in the same vein as, you know, like a Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, somebody who doesn't want to beat somebody else. I Obviously, while not at the level of that standard, I thought Ronda, for somebody who I think typically 
and Natty, tip people who typically we don't look at as great actors. I thought both did incredibly well with their acting. I love watching Rhonda's technical fluidity with her grappling early on. It's a style that really no one else in wrestling can do. So uh, I, a really entertaining match that I, I hope to see later uh, down the road on, on a bigger stage. Dean Ambrose cut a promo. It was just a promo. Uh, Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal. This ended with the Sings running in for the DQ and set up Santa Claus coming out through the crowd. He got a Santa chant and came in. They cleared the ring with the Sings being sent to the floor. Jinder's left and he's gored. The beard falls off. Rhino's back. And Cole calls it a true Christmas carol. Carol. Miracle. He called it a, a true Christmas carol. Like this is a... Like this is the their rendition of a Christmas Carol. Oh, I see. Yes. Like the movie, got it. Yes, like the movie. Okay, yeah. This was a what an awesome, awesome angle to bring Rhino back. I mean, this was built up for weeks. Payoff was enormous. This is this is the way to book wrestling. I just thought this was reinventing the game on Monday. I'm surprised that they spent that much effort for a big Rhino reveal on a on a Christmas show. I suppose. Um, all in all, you know, I thought the moment was pretty well done. Then we had the B team passed out. Charlie interviewed Seth Rollins. Apollo Cruz's wish is to get a tank for Christmas so he can flip it over and then we'll moonsault over the tank. Okay. The Ascension, they just wish to punish opponents. Victor asked if they're doing secret Santa. Connor said, no, there's only two of us. And Kurt Angle wearing an elf hat said his wish was... Baron Corbin not becoming permanent general manager. And this was very jarring to watch with ECW One Night Stand and some of Kurt's language on that show compared to this. I haven't even started. Oh, well. You're in for a very uh, TVMA promo from Kurt Angle. Show finished up with Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin. Cole states that Seth Rollins has not been the same man since he lost at TLC. Why? He dressed up as a squat team member last week. And then in mid-sentence, he delivered one suicide dive, two suicide dives. So he seemed like the exact same man to me. Rollins hit his sling blade, falcon arrow. Corbin came back. Wasn't a very long match. This wasn't one of your lengthy raw matches that's just eating time. They kept it short. Corbin got sent into the post. Super kick, stomp, and Seth Rollins wins. Everyone was happy. Christmas is saved. Seth Rollins wins. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think your typical Seth Rollins match where he worked really hard and I would also say kind of your typical Baron Corbin match there technically there's nothing wrong with the match at all but again it's just a combination that was a real throwaway combination between two people that we've already seen and I don't think will hold that much interest yeah I gotta say though it was a fairly easy to watch raw I mean not not a whole lot of importance placed on it storyline wise a few things thrown your way if you did tune in but I, I really enjoyed the Rousey Natalia match I like the tag title match as well. I like That's the- about all I would recommend. But this was hardly a um, the level of some of the recent Raws over the past two months. I, I didn't find too much issue with this. Well, they had a whole lot less to do, right? It was simply matches for the most part, which I think are uh, often just kind of tough to screw up. So uh, Natty versus Ronda, I definitely think is a was a good match that's worthy of, of people's attention. Beyond that... A uh, skippable show, completely. SmackDown was on Christmas night. 
from the Fresno tapings last week. And the big news, Byron Saxton is back. Yeah. He missed more he missed more shows than me. Yeah, he was there last week too, was he not? No, Wait a David Otunga David Otunga was on TV last well, week. Isn't that strange? Because they were he was always oh, yeah. taping. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. That is strange. Well, maybe maybe he was uh under the weather and they thought that doing uh four hours would be a little trying. Could be that. Our truth and Carmella came out as Santa and Carm Alpha. Yeah, truthy claws. Truthy claws. Our truth starts naming off reindeer and starts listing off the Jacksons. Um, not Nick and Matt, but uh, Tito, Jermaine. And then they stop for a seven-second carol break when Daniel Bryan interrupts and calls this place a cesspool, which he couldn't name the city two weeks in a row, I guess. He just had to be generic and just calling this place is a cesspool called truthy claws a farce ranted about coral reef destruction materialism and that the glaciers are melting and 20 years from now there will be no north pole or santa claus um okay yeah truth notes he's number 30 in the rumble and maybe he's gonna win it and take the title from daniel bryan at wrestlemania is that likely or unlikely? Quite unlikely. Brian says, you can't even count to 30. So truth counts to prove he can, but it's only to the number six when they start a dance break and Brian attacks him, wraps his leg around the post and just destroys poor R-Truth. So Daniel Bryan is starting to build up all these television matches for himself. He's got Mustafa Ali. He's got R-Truth. He's all set. I think it's great. I I love that. Um, I guess it's kind of part of this whole edict to uh, focus on new talent. But I mean, I, I I have to feel that maybe somewhere here it's Daniel Bryan wanting to work with fresh faces as well. And I think our truth has been actually quite solid in ring, aside from doing all all of this, you know, dance break stuff. A Bryan versus Truth match at this point on TV, I'm more than welcome. I thought this segment was turned out well. You know, it was Brian cutting a promo on Christmas, a character that I think is perfect to oppose Christmas. I feel if you're doing this phase of, you know, new faces, new combinations, is there anybody better to have as your champion than Daniel Bryan? And he just is taking on all these new people and wondering what that match is going to look like. I'd love to see Brian and R-Truth. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And we know that Brian and Ali will be great whenever they do that. Yeah. Andrade Cien Almas took on Mustafa Ali. Uh, Vega distracted Ali. Um, there was a Merry Christmas chant as they were fighting on the turnbuckle. He went. Uh, Ali went for a sunset flip powerbomb, but Almas landed onto his feet. Satellite DDT by Ali, and then set up for the 054, landing it for the win. So Mustafa Ali is being pushed. Almas is not. And yeah, this, was, this was fine. No, certainly unfortunate that Almas, uh, I think, isn't. It's not his turn uh, right now, but I'm happy to see that it's Ali's, you know. Um, I think this was a really good match. Um, I I actually thought it was kind of smart to do this match because it's a match you can get away with because these two were introduced on the previous week's SmackDown in front of the same audience. So, um, yeah, at the same time, I wonder, you know, like how much energy there, there seemed to be in the crowd. And it didn't really seem all that off, so maybe there's something to what you were suggesting earlier. 
Joe cut a promo on Jeff Hardy. He says that he is now Hardy's new addiction. Then The Bar and Sanity took on The Usos, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. New Day came out for commentary. Big E was oiling himself up. Uh, Killian Dane had this really good running cross body that looked great against Jimmy to set up the break. Sheamus landed a flying knee. The Usos did their super kick party. And Gallows and Anderson got the win, hitting the Magic Killer and pinning Cesaro. So another little um, title program that they seem to be teasing. Maybe that could be at the Rumble. Seems that um, Anderson and Gallows are getting the, the rejuvenated uh, attention. Yeah, sure. Did you Have you seen the Botch Club yet? I haven't watched it yet. Is uh, What did you think of it? I haven't seen it either. Oh. I mean, what, what a direct steal. What do you mean? Botchamania? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not even being subtle about it. Sure. I mean, absolutely. They tweeted it out, actually. A Botchamania-style program or something. But at the same time, I'm happy to see Gallows and Anderson actually get something. It seems like, you know, along with the new TV show, they are getting a bit of a rejuvenated push as well. I think it's a good way to freshen up the mix. We'll see if they get over. I just kind of see them as sort of like a, 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 a sort of a placeholder right now before, you know, the Usos eventually come back into the mix or, or even the New Day come back into the mix. But I'm happy to see them get a chance. It was a good, fun TV match. They got right into the finishing sequences. It was very fast, entertaining. Mustafa Ali was being congratulated backstage by some of the 205 Live guys, Brian Kendrick, Akira Tozawa, Cedric Alexander, and then he runs into Shelton Benjamin, who welcomes him to the roster. And Ali goes to shake his hand when he's attacked by Daniel Bryan, who yells that he doesn't deserve to be here. And Cedric Alexander asks, what was that all about? So I guess it goes both ways of people that don't watch 205 Live. Well, the guys on 205 Live don't watch your show either. Yeah. I'm so confused by this. Right. <laughs> then we had quite the segment. It was Miz TV with Shane McMahon. And Miz says that Shane has all this free time now that all the McMahons are back. And Miz says that now you have a time you have a chance to be a teammate of mine. And Miz is asked by Shane, what is this all about? And Miz gets serious. He says, It's all about my dad. He lists off all the titles he's won, all his accolades. But he has never heard his dad tell him that he was proud of him. Even after I headlined WrestleMania and my dad said, you should thank The Rock for helping you. Dad was not wrong. But man, that was cold. His dad doesn't seem like that type of guy. He seems like a very friendly uh, sandwich-making man. Are you saying Miz might have lied here to get... Shane, get to Shane? Well, I think I think Mrs. Dad is going to show up and clear the air at some point. He says, I. he always asks if this is enough for his dad, and it never has been until the best in the world tournament. His dad, he says, is a fan of high flyers, but he's also a fan of Shane McMahon because he's fearless and he fights for what he believes in. And his dad said he would be proud if Miz ever teamed with Shane. Shane takes this all in and says, that resonated with me. That was heavy. Shane says, you better not screw me or there will be heavy consequences. Let's try this. They shake hands. They hug while holding up the trophy. And we got a very canned pop, I thought, at the end of this. But I, I thought that this this was uh, the most positive segment that they have had in this team that I have had no interest in where this story has been going Mainly because 
it's Shane McMahon. And the story that Miz used, I thought was really a good storyline device because everyone at the end of the segment knows that this is as much about Shane and his relationship with his father. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think that we're on the same path that was set originally when this whole thing began? No, I think everything's been significantly changed. I don't think we're ever going to get any follow-up to the Survivor Series. I think that all the the McMahons returning, I think that's throwing a lot of this up. Um, right. Yeah. I, I don't know that. I'm just look, looking at logically. It seems that Shane has been just kind of put on to uh, a different course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was a really good performance from The Miz here. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that it was almost a shame it was just throwing on this episode like this throwaway because I thought this was their their best interaction so far um, to at least give something uh, of interest for this feud moving forward. Rusev announces it's his birthday and he's going to get a shot against Shinsuke Nakamura tonight. Jeff Hardy, Samoa Joe. Um, Hardy hit the twist of fate and then Goes to the top and Joe rolls to the floor. Hardy hits a clothesline and then he just starts delivering these knees repeatedly. And the referee throws the match out. After six and a half minutes, Joe is sent over the announcer's desk but recovers, applying the coquina clutch. And Jeff is out on the floor. And they did this close-up of his eyes, which are closed. But he's got the eyes painted on. So it looked really creepy that this guy is selling being unconscious, unconscious and his eyes are painted on. So it was just very bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting visual. I think the the feud has actually been pretty well built, you know. Um, it's Samoa Joe who's a fantastic heel, and it's Jeff Hardy who really works as a babyface. I feel like they've taken steps like one week at a time that have all made sense. Now it's escalated to a point of physicality. The New Day's New Year's celebration will be next week with John Cena also returning. Usos are backstage. They're going to have Christmas at Jay's house. And then Jimmy runs into Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, and they're under the mistletoe. And then Naomi runs at them, calling them tramps, and kisses Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were teasing something here, obviously, between Naomi and Mandy Rose, try, trying to get in the way of this marriage. Um We'll see where it goes, but I love the fact that I think uh, Jimmy Uso seems to be getting some focus along with Naomi. I think these two really should be a featured attraction. Uh, they're, to me, my favorite couple on Total Divas, and I think they they should be doing a whole lot more. And then the main event, Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev for the United States title. This went a long time. I think they went through two, two if not three, commercials. Um. Just going through near uh, near to the end here. Rusev uh, is sent into the steps and then takes this jumping knee to the back of the neck. He's being beaten down, but then stops the Kinshasa with a Machka kick, fires up, accolade gets blocked, and Nakamura goes for the triangle. Rusev slams out, and then Nakamura hits him with another knee strike to the neck for a near fall, sets up for the Kinshasa, and this was when it was most notable to me because... There's a pretty loud, this is awesome chant. And if you look at the audience, they are not moving. And I thought this was very much a manufactured chant. Rusev cuts him off of the clothesline, hits the Machka kick, pins Nakamura. Rusev wins the United States title. Yeah, yeah. Surprising finish, I think, for a taped show. But maybe that was the intent to surprise people. I thought it was a good match. You know, maybe the... the 
the sound certainly uh, played a part into it. If it was sweetened, I don't I don't hate on that at all. If you have the the benefit of doing that to make the match better, to make the show better, why wouldn't you? And yeah, I'll I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Shinsuke Nakamura after this. Yeah, I expect a rematch between these two. No, the rematch clause is gone. Oh, that's right. Well, he could always earn it, can he? I guess he can earn it. The final segment involved AJ Styles, who went to meet with Vince McMahon to say, why am I here on Christmas when I'm not booked on this show? Vince asks what his name is and who he is. He says, I'm AJ Styles, and he lists off his resume. And Vince asks him, why aren't you wrestling in the house you built tonight? Why is Brian competing? Brian didn't compete, Vince. He says he's raising hell. And says that Vince has seen champions lose titles and then get complacent, and then they go home. He says, you and I, AJ, are a lot alike. You have a black hole in your heart. But he wants to see that from AJ. Because that AJ will brutalize this locker room. There is an animal, maybe a pit bull, waiting to get out. I want to see that animal. And he slaps AJ, and AJ starts shaking, and he nails Vince McMahon, drops him down, and he roars like an animal while grabbing his hair like an animal. And they're checking on Vince to see if he's okay. He's got this smirk on his face. And it ends with Vince laying on his back. And I don't know about you, but it seemed like he was orgasmic. Um, sure. Yeah. Dude, I don't, this was I, really weird. Yeah. It played right, right. Just like, um, those kind of being the elite segments with, uh, uh, Matt and Nick telling Flip Gordon to grab the bat brass ring and then Flip kicks him. And then they say, I like that. I think I like that a lot. So yeah, it was very similar. Yeah, it was just one of those. I mean, I think it means AJ is getting a bit of a character shift into a bit more of an aggressive side. You know, 2018 sort of has been a bit of a sleeper year for him, even though he's at the belt. Hardly, I would say, you know, um, maybe the heights he had in 2017 when he really felt like the best in the industry. So this seems to be a bit of a recognition that, hey, AJ has been kind of in the background for a while. Let's take him back up to that next level. It was an interesting way of getting there. I think having AJ be in a segment with Vince, you know, automatically makes it a main event segment and not just some throwaway. So I think that's a positive. Uh, we'll see. We'll see, you know. Maybe he'll come out next week. And, you know, as long as he's not wearing like a dog collar and actually crawling on all floor, fours and playing an animal, I think this is overall a good thing. The animal. AJ Styles. That's what I thought was born here in this segment. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're going to do with AJ. He's obviously out of the Daniel Bryan program. And yeah, we'll see where he fits in elsewhere on the show. I imagine that he was going to end up at some point with maybe Randy Orton. Um, yeah, we will we will see where this goes. I, I thought this was a... I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of Vince McMahon at this at this stage of the game in these segments. That was SmackDown. Um, yeah. Yeah. Two two shows that I think are hardly uh, mandatory viewing, even if you are the most ardent follower of the product. No, spend time with your families. Don't watch um, 
most of this. I thought there was some really good stuff. Again, Natalia versus Ronda was was worth going out to check out. If you're a big, I thought Rusev Nakamura turned out well too, and uh, the bar that tag team match was good. SmackDown overall, I would say, was a good show. Easy watches. I I didn't think, uh, you know, on SmackDown at least. It, the, the main event was certainly a, a better performance from those two than of late. So I thought that was a, a positive as well. All right. Some people um, left a feedback thread. We didn't okay, do it ourselves, but they did themselves. So thank you, uh, PJ, for starting the thread. Let's read some of this. We go to PJ River, who says, Raw, I really enjoyed Ronda and Natty's match. It was very different from the usual stuff. The way the women's tag titles have been announced did not make them look like a big deal. On SmackDown, Carmella looked fit AF. Rusev's win was a really good feel moment, and that's what they are going for. More baby faces winning. The last scene was a bit surprising. I don't know where AJ's character is going. Nice to see the 205 guys and Mustafa in a feud with Daniel Bryan. That's a full circle. If only they could do a Bryan Kendrick versus Daniel Bryan. They have a great story to tell. Yeah, I don't see them really telling that story in all that much depth, other than maybe a cursory mention of their, their history. But Bryan's got a lot of opponents at the moment. Um... And in terms of where they are going with AJ, I, I don't really know. I, I wasn't left with um, – I was left with more uh, concern than optimism at, at the end of the show. But it's probably more just a transition to whatever his next program is. But Way is right. I think at least being uh, attached to Vince McMahon is – it's just a signal that he's a priority guy. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's going to end up feuding with – Vince McMahon and whoever Vince McMahon maybe is going to be involved with. I don't know how appealing that is, but it's it's going to be a top story if AJ is aligned with Vince McMahon in some kind of program. All right, our next one here. Raw, garbage as usual. I wouldn't say that. SmackDown, really excellent show. Some good matches and some solid stories going on. I really think one of these weeks with Cena coming back, he should lose a match clean to Mustafa Ali. That would really do wonders for Ali, even though I think they are already doing a great job with him. I love the Miz TV segment, and those two have been really enjoyable together thus far. We go to uh, Martin, who says, It's weird to think about this week's show. What's weird to think about this week's show is that both shows actually had their bad and good this week. I've read the spoilers for both shows last week and remember how much I wasn't excited for both shows. I actually wanted to skip Raw this week, but at the last minute, plans changed, and since there was nothing to watch on TV, I decided to watch Raw and was surprised by the show, especially the first two hours of the show. My only low point was the Ronda-Natalia match that felt long and didn't work for me. And Corbin versus Rollins, while I was shorter than other matches that they had, it was still a boring match. As for SmackDown, I love the R-Truth Brian segment. The eight-man tag match and the Andrade-Ali match were the low point for me. The last hour was really good from the Miz TV segment to the Hardy Joe and Rusev Nakamura matches. It was probably the best hour of WWE wrestling this week. All right. Uh, John, I think Cena is being lined up as Daniel Bryan's challenger at the Royal Rumble. To me, it makes perfect sense as Brian has this anti-consumerism gimmick and Cena has a different merchandise range every few months. Also, you had Cena's quest to beat Flair's title reigns and all the pieces fit together. Finally, we go to MJ from NJ live in New York who says, Happy Holidays. Since we last spoke, we have a post-fantasy football champion, Brandon from Oshawa, who took home the gold in his very first season playing, the Mustafa Ali of the post-FFL. Wait a minute, wasn't this everyone's first season playing? Isn't this the first um, season of the post-fantasy football league? Maybe he means like he's never played fantasy football before. Okay, that would make more know. sense. Well, congratulations, Brandon. 
Yeah. Uh, he says, for some reason, the low, low expectations I had on these shows made them a bit better. That and my boredom, I suppose. Curious decision with AJ booking him with Vince like that seems to be setting him up for a feature WrestleMania spot, but with who? Also, Rusev winning the US title was the first time my casual friend I watched pay-per-views with enjoyed a US title match. He loves Rusev. Moral of that story, it's the freaking US title. Give it to the most over guy of the moment and let the crowd enjoy one match. Well, that's what they're doing with Rusev. Probably, what, a year past his peak? Mm-hmm. When he was mo- uh, his most popular around the Rumble last year? Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, they got there eventually. <laughs> no, it's not the same right now, but we'll no, see. You know, he could get hot. I'll tell you what's really weird about all that is just um, the fact that, like, Lana is just there. She hasn't said a word now in, like, weeks. So maybe she has laryngitis or something. Could be. Maybe that'll be explained in the future. All right. Finally. Well, thanks, every. Oh, finally. The results of the 2018 Christmas Jingle Contest. I have not looked at who the winner is, so this will be a surprise. Can I just add that, um, number one, thanks to everyone who informed us of what the lyrics were um, of uh, 45 oh. Seconds of Holiday Cheer. That song, I'm not saying it, it, it should be written in as the winner. That song has been in my head since we have done that contest. So 45 Seconds of Holiday Cheer. It's probably going to be in there for another two days. Uh, wasn't even a finalist, unfortunately. So maybe maybe a submission next year. But uh, the the lyrics were Pollock has vague instructions. Somebody asked if we were deaf. So thanks for that. Huh? We have the results, John. Care to the results? Them? Are you going to read them or me? You can do it. Okay. From the bottom to the top. How about that? Yes. Okay. So coming in fifth, we had fifty three votes. 12% voted for Brad the Archivist with Post Wrestling Christmas Song 2018. 13% for Greg Lalande with the Christmas Song 2019. Number three in third place, the bronze medal, which gets a prize, correct? Yes. Jack Brooks, the ballot of a rioting squad. Congratulations. Very clever and a very popular one in the tweets. Mm-hmm. The runner up, Braxton Witherspoon and the Smart Marks. Give love to Roman Reigns. 28% of the votes and taking it. All I want for Christmas is post by Imran from Huddersfield. 32% of you voted for Imran, who is the 2018 post-wrestling Christmas jingle contest winner. Wow. He takes it again. Imran. What a comeback. What a comeback. I was ready to just literally slay this man. Hey, he did a great job. He always comes through. Congratulations to you, Imran. Really happy that uh, you were chosen. And you know what? Like, I, I think next year, John, we got to open up every selection to the audience, perhaps. Because I feel bad for a lot of people, a lot of the people that weren't chosen, who I thought were all excellent. I like being very harsh as a judge, but I'm willing to open it up to uh, voting. But then... Just remember, we're opening this up. Then it just becomes a campaign for all of these people. And it's going to be mobilizing all your Twitter followers. And it's it's going to become – it'll be ugly way. Well, it's going to get really, really heated. Sure. Why not? Whatever. So forget about whoever the the Democratic nominee is going to be in 2020. Start thinking ahead to next year's jingle contest. Plan today. Start working today. That's what the Imrons of the world are doing. They're going back, much like Santa Claus, to the North Pole to start worrying about Christmas next year. That's how the pros do it. 
Yeah. So I look forward to it. Way that was also our longest show we have ever done. The Christmas show, yes, that's right. The Christmas show. Yeah. It was a saga. I can't, I can't believe we did it. I did it through illness. We did it over, well, multiple days, to be quite honest, if we are being uh, truthful with the listeners. But uh, really fun. I really enjoyed the Christmas show, as always. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody, for your, your very kind messages. A lot of people telling us that they spend Christmas with the show um, in in lieu of, you know, maybe having other people to spend it with. So that that is a great honor. Um, thank you guys for uh, letting us into your homes. Yes, thank you. Uh, we will be back on Thursday. Braden and Davey have a new Up Next coming your way. Also, up today is the British Wrestling Experience, who are joined by the Indie Corners uh, Spotlight crew. And they are going through the entire year of European and UK wrestling. It is a three-plus-hour show. I'm an hour in, and this thing is awesome. I think that they have like the most thorough coverage uh, without patting ourselves on the back. We had nothing to do with this, but yeah. check the show out. I think it's great. There's a version that's actually on this very feed right now, but it is a truncated version, uh, which uh, Benno uh, gave to us because he was concerned that the show was too long. So if you want the full extended version with uh, more content, sign up for the British Wrestling Experience's own feed. Uh, just look for that anywhere you download your podcast. All right, and you can catch up on the Best Of Show, the Christmas Show. They're all up there. Friday, uh, we will have the podcast version, free for everyone. It is the worst of 2018 with Braden and Davey joining myself and Way to form the panel once again. And if you are a double-double or higher member of the cafe, you can go now and watch the video version of the Worst Of Show. And then this weekend, I'm going to have a UFC 232 post-show up Saturday night. And then we're... Eggshells. Eggshells. Eggshells drops on Saturday. We are up to 2016 uh, with Wrestle Kingdom 10 being reviewed with uh, Joe Lanza from the Voices of Wrestling Network joining Chris Charlton and not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but next week, Way, it is Wrestle Kingdom week and we have everyone covered. Yeah, actually, we might not be speaking to people again until um next week so we should maybe talk about some of that right now because yeah uh well first of all even before we get to that sunday we have our review of ecw's one at stand as part of rewind away on the post wrestling cafe we've uh delayed the rewind away uh edition this week because of the worst of so we'll be putting that out on sunday so check your feeds for that but starting on december 31st all the way leading up until friday we are having our very own Wrestle Kingdom week here at Post Wrestling. And that starts off with the final two editions of Eggshells. That's 2016. Is that right? Sorry, 2017 and 2018. Yes. Uh, 2017, it will be released on Monday. On Tuesday, John, myself, and WH, we will be back for our Wrestle Kingdom primer just to get you guys all caught up on the week that was. Or sorry, on on, uh, on on the year that was leading up to Wrestle Kingdom. On Wednesday, we will be back with this same edition of Rewind Raw and SmackDown, recapping those Monday and Tuesday shows. And then what, Thursday, is it's the final edition of Eggshells covering 2018, all the way leading up to Wrestle Kingdom 13 on Friday, which John and I will be reviewing on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So sign up, get that review, and check everything else out. Yes, great time to sign up for the cafe because we will have shows after Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash next week. Yeah. So big, w- big, big week. Yeah, if you're going to sign up for Wrestle Kingdom, just just wait till January because um, otherwise you're going to get charged for December. 
I believe. So just wait till January. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in for the special midweek show. Um, this will be the same thing we do next week after Raw and SmackDown, uh, but we have thrown a lot of information at you. Go to postwrestling.com for all the latest. You can sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com and store.postwrestling.com. That's it. Good night. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There are just two people I need. I don't care about Dave Meltzer, Conrad Colt, or Wrestling Tees. I just want you, Way and John, talking to me all night long. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is post. I don't want a lot for Christmas, maybe a nice coffee sleeve. Way chatting total divas and John listening on two times speed. They did a show on Battleground and everyone kept asking why. So thank God for Marvel reviews, but who is that Steve Rogers guy? I just want you, Way and John, suffering through three hour rows. Forget the turkey roast. All I want for Christmas is post, post wrestling. I won't ask for much this Christmas, I just really want to go to Dave and Brendan's party. That guy still passed out on the floor. I look around at all the people, Nate's gone dressed up as Saint Nick. Chris and WH are talking, saying that guy's clothes are shit. John's on his laptop at the bar, dropping Roberto Alomar. Way's making a toast, all I want for Christmas is poor.